morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Morning, y'all. 9-11 a.m. Daylight Savings Time, March the 22nd, 2019, episode 75 of Bitcoin and. And Jack lit the shit up out of everybody yesterday or Wednesday night. I can't really know. It was yesterday. Yeah. Uh, with the introduction of at SQ crypto or square crypto. So let's just, I don't know, man, let's get into it and see what Jack has to say. This is a, uh, a tweet storm that he put out. Looks like uh, five o'clock yesterday, March the 20th. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. So this, this was, yes, this was on uh Wednesday late afternoon. Uh, Jack says Bitcoin Twitter and crypto Twitter square is hiring three to four crypto engineers and one designer to work full time on open source contributions to the Bitcoin crypto ecosystem work from anywhere, report directly to me. Wow. And we can even pay you in Bitcoin. Introducing at SQ Crypto. Why? Last week, I was considering my Hack Week project and asked at Brokem, <clears throat> quote, what is the most impactful thing we could do for the Bitcoin community, end quote. His answer was simple. Pay people to make the broader crypto ecosystem better. This resonated with me immediately, so we're doing it. This will be Square's first open source initiative independent of our business objectives. These folks will focus entirely on what's best for the crypto community and individual economic empowerment, not on Square's commercial interest. All resulting work will be open and free. Nice. Square has taken a lot from the open source community to get us here. We haven't given enough back. This is a small way to give back and one that's aligned with our broader interest, a more accessible global financial system for the internet. Why add a designer into the mix? I believe this is an underfunded area in the crypto ecosystem. Great design will help more people access this technology faster and better. And we want to see more work to educate like cash.app forward slash Bitcoin. I love this technology and community. I found it to be deeply principled purpose-driven, edgy, and really weird. <laughs> Just like the early internet, I'm excited to get to learn more directly. Are you currently contributing to Bitcoin Core or other crypto ecosystem projects for free in your off time? We'd like to pay you to do it full-time. If interested, DM at SQ Crypto and follow for updates on our progress. Thank you. Well, now, isn't that interesting? It should it should be noted. Yes, this is Jack from Twitter, but it should be noticed this is uh, he's couching all these terms in relation to uh, the company Square and not Twitter. But if any of us actually walk around thinking that this won't 
you know, this won't have some kind of implications for the uh, broader Twitter ecosystem. I think we'd, we'd all be pretty much fooling ourselves. But it's it's nice to see Jack getting into the mix like this. But what, you know, and I, I tweeted directly back at him, but being, a, being the pleb that I am, he's not going to listen to me. So um, anybody who is listening to this has got more pull. Uh, you know, tweet at Jack and, and tell him, you know, tell him to be careful because this is my, this is my concern. People get into this thing all the time with the best of intentions and then, and then shit coinery eventually somehow or another gets, you know, into the mix. And then it gets, you know, I think a lot of us can, you know, I don't know, absolve one another for our, our past sins of shit coinery. Um, but Sometimes it gets even worse, and then you get into the point where you start trying to direct where Bitcoin is going as a person or a small group of people, like we saw with the uh, Segwit2x thing that was uh, that had its skull squarely crushed into the dust by the users because the user activated soft fork. Um, I don't want to see Jack go down that hole. I really, 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 really don't. Uh, other than the fact that I, I am not all thrilled with Jack about the policy of um, Twitter banning people uh, for their views and not, you know, deplatform the whole deplatforming thing that is not just Twitter. I mean, that's pretty much all of Silicon Valley. So he doesn't he doesn't get a pass uh, because of that shit. All right, and if he if, I mean, I hate to say it, but if he screws this up, uh, you know, that that's what I don't want to see. I, I, I really don't want to see him screw this thing up. And, you know, we've seen it before. We will see it again. Let's just all hope that we don't see it from Jack, okay? So what's next up in the stack? Well, <clears throat> it appears that uh, Lawson Baker posted something that says, or, or he tweeted out, Ethereum EIP seeks 20% developers reward akin to Zcash. In the age of fair launches that forgot to pay developers, and plus Moloch attempts to entice donations, it's clear that people finally get that paying miners is not enough for long-term sustainability of open source projects. Okay, well, so what is he talking about? Uh, there he's got there, <clears throat> he's tweeting, retweeting, uh, somebody who, uh, tweeted out a, a link to a medium article. And, um, I'm just going to get into a little bit of it to get to the, uh, the parameters. This was written, looks like it was written by Kevin Awaki funding open source in the blockchain era, exploring the design space, inflation funding, microtransactions, and more. Uh, and so he begins in ERC 1789, I advocate, advocate for aggressively increasing funding for the Ethereum commons in this moonshot ERC. I advocate for inflation funding as a starting point, 20% of the issuance rewards to go to an organization, which fits our community values to fund ETH 1.X and ETH 2.0 and other worthwhile projects. While you can read the EIP for more on why I think inflation funding is worth pursuing. Ugh. The TLDR is that ecosystem stewardship is important. New, better funding mechanisms exist. 
it is possible to decentralize fund administration. And, oh, well, I'll just go a little further. The narrow goal of the EIP <clears throat> of the EIP was 20% issuance going to projects, building great mission-critical software. The broader goal was as follows. My goal for this ERC is to establish a strong argument for ecosystem stewardship. It is the most important driver of long-term value creation in the Ethereum space and open source communities more broadly. Rewarding maintainers of Ethereum is critical. I am willing to die on this hill. And you probably will. You probably will. Um, Inflation funding. No. (laughs) That's... By God. Oh, no. You know, um, if... You know, if it's come, if it's come to this and, and we, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm, I don't have any of my feet in, in the kiddie pool that is Ethereum development because I just don't care anymore. I used to, but I, I just don't anymore. To me, it's just a waste of my time to even worry about it. But this is interesting because we're starting to see a lot of talk around even in, you know, and, and in Bitcoin too, not even in Bitcoin, in Bitcoin, as well as other projects, this gravitation to inflation is starting, is, I don't know, I'm not going to say it's starting to take hold, but it's be, it's become vo- vociferous, okay? I'm hearing a lot of chatter about this shit. I, you know, I mean, I can, as far as the Bitcoin community or or the Bitcoin ecosystem the chatter being around, well, what if we just had, you know, the, the minor subsidy was forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And if you did that, then, well, if you did that, then I think it's a failed project. And if Bitcoin falls, they all fall. I mean, the only thing that will remain out of this is, some idiot with a with a partially decentralized ledger who's really good friends with the Federal Reserve, and the only thing that happens is that we lose our ability to pay in cash. And I don't think that that's a good idea. As long as the money remains private, um, then I, I'm I'm more apt to go cashless. But if it's not a private currency, if it's a government driven currency, then no, I'm I'm not interested. We've we've already got a shitty system that works fairly well. <clears throat> I don't, I don't see a need to change, but the, the whole inflation thing, you know, guys, you know, you might want to start put, I don't know, push back. Don't be brutal because some people are being brutal, but uh, I think, I think this kind of crap is, is worthy of, of some serious pushback. So it's in anytime anybody's like talking about allowing inflation in Bitcoin, just, just walk away, say no, push back, what, you know, whatever it is that you want to do, because I just, you know, this whole thing came about because of what inflation did to the world's economies over the last, you know, 100 to 300 years. It's, it, it really boils down to that. The ability for a central planning organization to, be, to make a decision one day to inflate the shit out of your cash is why we're here. And here we are talking with people in the ecosystem that are old school guys talking about the same shit. I'm sorry, but no, I just freaking no. On up into the stack, Michael Rocks has a tweet. 
that uh, is replying replying to Lee Rayner's. Uh, let me just let me let me read Lee Rayner's uh, tweet first. This is at L E E R E I N E R S, and this gentleman says in response to Chris Giancarlo's tweet and Chris Giancarlo's, you know, he's, he, he's one of the guys over, he, well, he's the, the guy over at C at the, uh, CFTC. Lee says, says, uh, of this tweet from Chris, this is quite stunning. Can you imagine if Alan Greenspan called himself subprime dad circa 2005? It's only a matter of time before these two wind up on boards, on the boards of one or more cryptocurrency companies. Michael rocks, you know, comes back and says, just as stunning as Benjamin Losky introduced the controversial bit license, effectively forcing hundreds of companies out of NYC just as shortly after launch uh, or just just as shortly after launch his own advisory firm to consult well-funded cryptocurrency firms on the very regulations he designed. So both these guys are just kind of going after Giancarlo because he's got a hashtag crypto dad. And um, I can't remember her name. Uh, Hester, Hester Pierce is uh, her, her tag is crypto mom. Um, <laughs> I'm seriously, I mean, this is, you know, I, you know, I don't know. I think, I think it's kind of funny. I think people are overreact, you know, overreacting to the fact that he's, that Giancarlo is taking part of the community. He's, you know, he, he's able to actually leverage memes. He's leveraged, you know, in this case, he's leveraging his nickname that, that he didn't select. So, but you know, Michael kind of does have a point. Uh, he does have a point. I, you know, I like, I like Giancarlo. I, I, I like the dude, uh, every time he gives testimony about, uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, you know, he's just telegraphing that he, that, you know, uh, CFTC is sort of like, we got to let this thing flourish. Um, so, but I mean, with, you know, with the bit license guy that happened, Giancarlo, Giancarlo is, I mean, by doing this, his actions, he is going to be well-placed to sit on a board of a well-funded crypto, you know, crypto company. So, you know, be, be ever vigilant of the, of the people. This is, this kind of goes back to what I was saying about Jack over at Twitter, be ever vigilant. I mean, Jack is, he's, he's playing the role right now. He looks good. He still doesn't get a pass from me for the shit that he's pulled, but you know, at least he's doing this, but you know, both these guys, they can easily fall. You know, we, we, like I said, we've, we're already seeing old school guys in Bitcoin talking about inflation funding, you know, and, and Ethereum too. But like I said, I don't really care all that much about Ethereum, but I do care about Bitcoin. So people easily fall. Nobody is immune, not even me. I have to be ever vigilant not to end up being, you know, turning my back on that, which which I really care about. Uh, on up into the stack, Stephen at S-T-H-E-N-C is um, retweeting Jim Rickards. He says, think about how many millions of dollars and much risk it would take to transport this much gold. 
To move the same amount of Bitcoin would take 10 minutes and less than a dollar. So what's he talking about? Uh, Jim has tweeted out, yesterday was the 20th of the month, and you know what that means. New gold data from the Central Bank of Russia. They bought 31.1 tons in February, bringing total to 2,149 tons of gold. Washington is finally noticing. Part of the reason I was there Wednesday, this is the new great game. Yeah, Russia is not stupid. You know, and China's not stupid either. They're get you know, and we're we're seeing you know the South American like Venezuela tried to repatriate their gold, and Bank of England told them no. So, but in either event, Stevens at Stevens the one with the best take on all this. Is you know, I I don't hate gold. I I like gold. I like gold and silver. It's 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 not bad. And if you got a few gold coins laying around in a safe or even, you know, maybe a couple of gold bars or something like that, hey, that's great. But when you got to like get forklifts and a whole crew of people to move, you know, 4,000 bars of this shit, put it on a boat, ship it somewhere, and then, you know, do the whole process in reverse on the other side and get it to somewhere else. I mean, my God, how much does that cost? Security, you're burning fuel. How many days does it take to do all this shit? You know, when the the University of Texas a few years back, they repatriated all of their gold back to the state of Texas from the uh, from the New York bank that was holding their gold. How many trucks did that take? You know, I mean, did they, you know, or did they fly it? Because, I mean, we're talking, a, that's a lot of weight. So, you know, and if you do the math, it ends up, I don't know, I think it ended up being like eight, like you know, billions of dollars worth of, of material when you, when you get right down to the spot price of an ounce of gold. And Stephen's right. You can move that shit anywhere in the world, across any border, without any permissions whatsoever, as long as you don't tell anybody, I guess, um, in 10 minutes and about a dollar. 10 minutes and a dollar. Just think about that. So Bitcoin is dead again. It's a freaking zombie, man. Uh, investing.com says <clears throat> CBOE suspends Bitcoin futures beginning of the end for cryptocurrencies. And this actually was dated March the 22nd. Uh, this is done. Let's see who wrote this thing. Uh, it looks like Tanzil Akar. Oh, I know I butchered the name. I always do. When the Chicago Board Op- Options Exchange, CB- CBOE, introduced Bitcoin futures trading, the event was heralded with a bang. Now that the exchange has announced it will no longer be adding new contracts, the news has garnered barely a whimper. Of course, in December t- 2017, when the CBOE first came, became the first exchange to offer crypto options derivative, Bitcoin and pure digital currencies were trading at nosebleed levels. Now the crypto winter has endured for more than a year. When Bitcoin futures trading launched, the expectation was it was for it to play a significant role in legitimizing crypto assets, driving demand, and proving a less risky way for new investors, both retail and institutional, to participate. Is the CBOE's suspension of its Bitcoin futures product the beginning of the end for cryptocurrencies? Ryan Radloff, CEO of CoinShares, believes these contracts weren't crucial to the greater crypto market infrastructure. Quote, we're not concerned by their loss, end quote, he says. He believes there will be no real impact. For one thing, rival Chicago Mercantile Exchange, the CME, will continue to trade Bitcoin futures as well, notes Radloff. 
quote, one of the industrial use cases of BTC future contracts, at least within the crypto community, is for hedging revenues from Bitcoin mining. In the case of the CBOE's cash settle contracts, the risk of getting a different maturity price than is what is actually available in market is too high to use them as an efficient hedge. So physical delivery simply wins every time. Laurent Cassis, managing director of XBT provider, sums up the situation, quote, in the race for more transparent, professional-grade products with efficient price discovery mechanisms and greater liquidity, the CBOE looks to be conceding the market to CME. Of course, part of the problem for CBOE's Bitcoin futures product was the paucity of trading volume. According to Crypto Compare, from January to February 2019, CBOE's volumes fell by around 31%, while CME's daily average increased more than 23%. In this part, or in in part, this could be because the margin requirement for trading BTC futures on the CME is 35%, while it was 40 on the CBOE to account for BTC volatility. Cassis speculates that the cost of low volumes must have outweighed any revenue benefit given the declining underlying asset price quote. On the professional side, market makers prefer to hedge future contracts using settled physical contracts to reduce the risk of potential settlement price manipulation. With cash settled contracts, the settlement price is never truly efficient upon maturity. As a result, it would appear the buyers of these contracts were simply speculators capitalizing on the offer of leverage. Once the long-awaited physical contracts come to market, I would expect most cash-settled contracts to lose their appeal as the market will usually choose more efficient and professional Delta One vehicles when presented with the opportunity, end quote. Some crypto market participants are disappointed, but acknowledge that the suspension has more to do with business models than a failure of the asset class. In Huyong, head of business development at Zequila or Zilica, a public blockchain platform says, quote, though some are concerned with the announcement as a sign of waning institutional in- interest, it is actually a matter of competition and convenience. Competitor CME has its own Bitcoin futures product with one CBOE contract equal to one Bitcoin and one CME contract equal to five BTC. It simply goes to show that CME has a more competitive and attractive product. Moreover, she explains regarding settlements, CBOE also announced that it would only be taking prices from cryptocurrency exchange Gemini's auction. Single source pricing opens up opportunities for price manipulation, leading to greater risks. In contrast, CME has taken a much more measured approach using prices from several exchanges while leveraging its proprietary process to mitigate potential for price manipulation as such, notes Ong. CBOE's announcement should not be taken as a reflection of the state of institutional interest in cryptocurrencies. They simply had a product that failed to gain market share. And that's going to do it for that. Um, now I got, you know, the only thing that I got to say about it is that it's quite possible CME might, might ditch their shit if the, if the crypto winner uh, continues. <clears throat> that said, I've never really been a fan of the futures, of the futures market anyway, because unless you're going to take physical delivery of the Bitcoin at the end of the, at the end of that day, um, you know, then it's like by, I don't know. It's like, 
uh, trading barrels of oil. You're never going to get that shit delivered to your house. So at that point, it's just simple gambling. And I think 80% of the futures market, even if you are taking physical delivery, like, well, like in, in Bitcoin, I, I get the feeling that 50 to 80% of this shit is probably just people just speculating like they, you know, they were saying. I think their percent, what they think the percentage wise of people that were speculating or are speculating is much lower than I do. But I just look at this stuff and, and it's, it's, you know, I mean, I just looking at the amount of BitMEX wrecked, you know, I, I see like a, you know, a 1% swing either way. And I just see people getting torched. I mean, burnt to the ground. I'd like, like I'll have like 15 longs that just could like just stream across my, uh, across my screen that just get burnt right to the ground when we see, you know, a half a percent, 1% fall some, you know, and then, and then all through that day, it's almost like people reposition themselves and they get burnt again and again and again. Now, I don't know if it's the same people, but what, what we saw yesterday with that, with that massive, uh, red dildo is I just kept seeing people, you know, getting, I saw people getting short and then the shorts got wrecked and saw people started going long and the reason I saw them going long, I wasn't looking at BitMEX. I was just looking at who got torched. That's all I actually have to see. I just see a stream of BitMEX wrecked because I follow them and my stream just gets covered over with them 10, 15, 20, sometimes 30 at a time, just like, like a machine gun. And my question to myself is, has always remained, man, I don't see how these people do it. I don't see, I, I do not see how they would be a stable you know, a mentally stable human being after doing this for a while, because you're always going to get torched, man. At one point or another, you're always, always, always going to get torched. I know it's part of risk management, but this shit is a, this shit is a 24 hour a day, seven day a week, 365 day a year market. At one point or another, you got to sleep. And generally speaking, when you're sleeping, the Asian market is basically torching your shit. And when you're awake and the Asians are sleeping, you're torching their shit. It's just like a torch fest out there, man. I, like I said, I don't, if, if I guess if you're like a, you know, total pro, you know, go on with yourself. But, uh, man, if I just highly recommend if, if you're not a pro trader, don't start, and if you just absolutely have to do it, I guess, you know, go take Tone Vay's course and do some, I don't know, see if you can find a place to practice on futures trading because, man, yesterday was just a, God, it was just a blood fest, man. It was, it was hilarious. Okay, so uh, John Carvalho <laughs> says, Binance is pronounced like Beyonce, right? Well, I have your attention. Stop fucking speculating on BNB tokens. I'm just going to leave that one right there. <laughs> we love John. Oh, okay. Up in the stack, bit paste. Oh, uh, I, let me get it up. So here we have a guy. This is Jason Smith says, trying out bit paste. Imagine a world where everybody wins. And then he gives a link to, I can own, let's see if I can find the, I guess it's his uh, writing uh, over on bitpaste.app. And it looks to me, 
just looking at this, it looks to me like this is yours.org. Not y'alls.org because y'alls uses Bitcoin and I believe lightning uh, payment now. Whereas yours, I don't really hear a whole bunch about them, but it looks like there's somebody's trying to um, uh, crank this up again because it looks like you can write an article, set a paywall, and then uh, there's this thing called a money button that is that will, I guess you can pay, and we'll get to what you pay in in a second, which is why I'm groaning so much about this. Um, the, this article, I guess this, what it's, you know, what they are is article on bit paste by, I can only assume, uh, this, this gentleman, uh, what is his name? Jason Smith says, imagine a game where you and your competitors each work to get the highest score. But whenever your competitor scores, their success also improves your score. That's Bitcoin SV. There's more. Oh, but and at that point, we, we hit the paywall. So continue reading. Pay the author to unlock the rest of this paste. Then there's this money button. And then there's the first disclaimer. Bit paste receives 10% commission to provide you a money button so that you can pay this dude, I presumably in Bitcoin SV, um, to uh, read the rest of his Bitcoin SV rantings. No, no. And then it goes on to say, if you are the author or have previously paid for this content, click to recover access. And then there's the tip the author, which is a nice big blue bar, and it's got an amount thing. And then it says, BitPace receives 10% of commission to provide a second money button, essentially. We've already got this with y'alls.org. And um, as near as I can tell, I think you can do the same thing or like it over at Steemit. I, I don't know. I haven't been over to, to check out Steemit in a long time because it's just it just got stupid. Um, in anyway, so we have this new thing or this thing called BitPaste, which I have never seen before. It just looks like a clone of yours.org and y'alls.org. And, you know, it's all it is is a place for you to post something up and then put up a paywall and it's, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing how well that's working. It looks like y'alls.org actually has more traction, uh, than yours.org and y'alls.org was sort of like somebody going, Oh, this is just easy to construct. So they just built one in response to the fact that the guy over at yours.org went all in, uh, uh, Bitcoin cash. And then I think he's all in with Bitcoin SV, you never know with these people. They're always switching their allegiances, which is why they make why they're so damn dangerous. You never know what the hell they're going to do next. Arise Chicken is next up in the stack, and no, it is not about Litecoin. Arise Bank founder scammed investors for four point two million dollars. Pleads guilty, says theblockcrypto.com. The founder of crypto company Arise Bank has pleaded guilty for scamming his investors. Gee, who would have guessed? The U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Texas office wrote, Jared Rice Sr. pleaded guilty to one account of securities fraud having defrauded $4.2 million. Rice told his investors their accounts would be insured by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. Oh, my God. And they would receive Visa credit cards. However, Arise Bank was not 
had or or did not have FDIC insurance or a contract with Visa. Moreover, it didn't even have authorization to operate in Texas. Oh man, that's this is not the place you want to do that shit, man. Rice admitted to having spent the money. You think? According to the U.S. Attorney of the Northern District of Texas office, quote, his plea makes this case one of the first in which an individual has pleaded guilty to securities fraud involving a cryptocurrency in U.S. federal court. Rice was arrested by the FBI in November. He was originally charged on three counts of securities fraud and three counts of wire fraud. If found guilty, he still faces up to 20 years in federal prison. He is also expected to repay his investors. No, their money's gone, dude. Last year, Rice was also subject to a lawsuit by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission for allegedly running a fraudulent ICO. So there you go. Arise Bank has not arisen to the charge. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, now we're going to get into a little bit more uh, uh, less crypto-y thing. This is a, uh, a tweet from Charlie Schramm says, I can't do this anymore, and gives uh, a link to moralmachine.mit.edu. And and if you haven't seen one of these things, they've been around for a while. Moral Machine isn't the only one. I saw these things crop up about, I don't know, four or five years ago, uh, maybe even longer, come to think of it. Uh, And what they do is they present you with a whole bunch of different, like a visual scenarios of a car and that there's like a, and they give you like two choices and the car is either going to hit like a couple of baby carriages or its passengers will all die by swerving to miss the baby carriages and hitting like, you know, a, a you know, a fence or like a, a concrete, you know, blockade or something like that. And the more I thought about it, when, when Charlie said this, the, this is the whole reason I'm even telling y'all about this is because it, it just dawned on me. I wrote Charlie back. He hasn't, he hasn't, you know, responded, but I say, what are the chances this is generating data that will be used as a base algorithm for self-driving cars? Artificial intelligence has always needed some basis to extrapolate from is this sort of thing providing that? I will not do this anymore either way. I did three of these over the years, no more. Now, a while back, I don't know if you, if you guys remember, it hit the news briefly, and I can't remember what year it was, but it was a it, the story was essentially that the uh, the United States Air Force found keylogger software inside the pilot controls for drones. So, you know, if I'm a drone pilot, I'm not in Afghanistan. I'm sitting in an air-conditioned booth in like Fort Lauderdale, Florida or something like that, and I'm flying a drone from remote via um, satellite, yada, yada, yada. And in those con- those consoles are basically like a pilot's cockpit. I mean, they're not as, you know, it's, it's not as... Oh, you know, technological is like, you know, an FA 18 or something like that, but still there's a stick, you know, there's keyboard, there's a couple of screens, there's, you know, uh, throttle, you know, there's a throttle, it's a throttle and stick set up and then rudder control and all that kind of stuff. Well, there was a key, there was a software in there, uh, that was intercepting, uh, there was a keylogger, and it immediately dawned on me that if you were going to, um, if you were going to train drones to be self-flying, you would 
the the AI that was going to be responsible for that would need to have some base, you know, some kind of basis to start from. And what better way to train AI how to fly a plane than to give it two feeds of information, airspeed, wind temperature, all the, you know, all the stuff that's on the drone itself, right? Uh, you know, how, how fast the thing's going, what's the shear, you know, wind, and then you got all the ground base stations, all, you know, like what's the pressure, what's the humidity, you get all these data streams coming in and then compiled. And then in response to that, you've got the pilot that's like, you know, if, uh, you know, some like the wind changes or something like that got to do a course correction or you, you, you know, how, like if something weird happens, how, how does the pilot react? That ends up being another, you know, stream. And it's not at all outside the possibility to put these things together and start using this as training ground for AI. And I, I wonder if these moral machines are, are taking a large sample of, you know, what, the general population of today thinks should be done in, in all these different situations when it comes to self-driving cars. Um, I don't know, man, that the whole thing just kind of, kind of weird, it weirds me out. It gives it, it, it messes me up thinking that, you know, the decisions that I made when I did this thing, these things like three or four times, if they're, you know, if at, what, like years after I die, if somehow or another, my input is still going to be part of this thing. And yeah, I mean, I'm being a little, you know, I'm, I'm being a little weird about it insofar as no, it's not all that important, but still the question arises, you got whole tribes that, ref, you know, that, that will kill people or used to kill people for taking their picture because it steals their soul. Right. I know it's going a little overboard, but Hey, you know, might as well. It can't always be about Bitcoin, right? This is the Bitcoin and show. All right, but we're gonna we're gonna end the uh, morning roundup with some cryptocurrency news. And for you Doge fans out there, crypto news, and that's crypto news, and that's uh, C R Y P T O N E W S Z dot com has this uh, story on Dogecoin. Now added to a Parjar bot for tipping on Telegram, with a full with a day full of instability for Dogecoin in the market. Hold on, I'm sorry. This is March 22nd. Okay, so this is today. A piece of good news has made the day for Dogecoin. Now tipping is made easy by Dogecoin, or yeah, by Dogecoin by adding it to the Parjar bot for using it on Telegram. Okay, guys, this this uh, uh, tra- this is a uh, translation from a foreign language. So be prepared. This adoption by Dogecoin has some really great noticeable easy features like comment and tip features where all you need is to put up a comment and tip. One of the other features that make it more luring for crypto enthusiasts is that the recipient of the tip is free to withdraw or deposit the tip anytime they wish. Once it rolls on the Telegram, Dogecoin was quite a hit among the members of the Telegram group, and they seem to like having their own fun with the Dogecoin on this platform. Overall, this new adoption, plus its success, added to the value of Dogecoin and seized the day for it. Nowadays, tipping has become a great trend in the crypto world, and even crypto enthusiasts seem to enjoy it more than anything, which it <clears throat> which made it one of the fastest growing market. 
Like I said, this is a translation, guys. Bear with me. And Dogecoin hopes to dominate and squeeze the best out of this trending market. If Dogecoin is able to achieve this goal, then it might see a huge success increase in its demand. Demand increases as the volume of trade increases, and the increased rate of demand will undoubtedly add to the value of Dogecoin along with creating crypto stability, yada, yada, yada. So Dogecoin, wow. Much love. I'm I'm telling you, man. I'm I've got a bag of Dogecoin. I'm probably never, ever, ever going to sell it because to me, sometimes, you know, the uh uh oh the nostalgia for something is you know more overpowering than what it's worth. And quite frankly, at point zero 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 two USD, actually, is it even that? Hold on. Yeah, 0. 0.002 USD. Uh, my my Doge bag uh, could probably make make up a pocket full of change in in United States coins. So that's gonna do it for Doge. Uh, give some love and props to Doge, and that'll do it for your morning roundup. Your vital statistics brought to you by BitInfo Charts. Bitcoin has an average price of 4,003. The high is going to be over at Bitfinex at 4,060. <coughs> Sorry. The low is going to be over at Simex at 3,986. 310,000 BTC has been traded over the last 24 hours with an average cent per hour of 13,000. That gives us 1.7 million BTC being sent over that 24-hour period. And in an hour, an average of 74,719 BTC is being sent. That's $300 million USD. Average transaction value is at 5.77 BTC. And the median transaction value is at 0.08 BTC or right around 320 bucks. So the median transaction value has come back up a little bit, thankfully. But what has dropped is the block time precipitously. Eight minutes and 31 seconds, people. Wow. Just wow. And uh, about uh, 0.2 BTC has been taken as fees per block. And over the last 24 hours, about 32 BTC has been taken as uh, fees. Our hash rate has increased only 1.15% and has gone up to 46.52 exahashes per second. So, but that that small increase doesn't really uh, explain the, the very, very low block time. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I think it's about to rain here. So something's blown in. Yeah, 8 minutes and 30, 31 seconds. That's that's pretty low, man. That's pretty low. Uh, the last GitHub commit to the code base, and the reason I, I talk about this is that this is a sample of, of how much development is going on in Bitcoin because people always are you know bitching about, there's no development on Bitcoin. Yeah, there is. It happens every damn day. Yesterday was the last GitHub commit to the code base. Across the board, Ethereum is $137. Litecoin is at $59. Bcash is at $158. BSV is at $66. Ethereum Classic is at $4.89 USD. And as we said, Dogecoin is at 0.002. Now, here's interesting. 
uh, over the last 24 hours, 26,000 Dogecoin have been uh, transacted, or 26,000 transactions have been, 26,000 transactions have been made on the Dogecoin network in the last 24 hours. 36,800 have been made on Bcash. So again, something's afoot. You know that's not organic. Um, it never is because these these little spikes are just, you know, that's the thing about Bitcoin. You know, I look at its transactions in the last 24 hours. I've been doing this. This is the 70, you know, 75th episode of this show. I've been doing the vitals for at least 50 of those. Um, it's always at the set, you know, right around the same spot in transactions per day. Bitcoin cash is all over the damn place. BSV is actually more stable with its pitiful 5,000 transactions over the last 24 hours. But at least BSV can say that it's more stable as far as its transaction count, whereas Bcash is fluctuating all over the damn place. Anyway, that will do it for your vital statistics. Marty has a uh, Marty's bent is about the green address from Blockstream Green, which is interesting news. So this is for Wednesday, uh, March the twentieth, twenty nineteen, issue number four hundred and forty four. Blockstream has tweeted out, "We're excited to announce Blockstream Green as a full redesign and update of our green address apps. Green provides two of two multi sig security hardware while it support two factor authentication and many more exciting features we know you'll love." So uh, let's see what Marty has to say about it. Multi sig wallets so hot right now. The latest in a string of multi sig wallets to hit the scene is an upgrade to the OG multi sig mobile app Green Address, which is officially rebranded to Blockstream Green and has gone through a beautiful redesign. Blockstream Green setup is different than what companies like Casa and Unchained Capital are offering users, as this is a default two of two multi sig setup in which Blockstream holds one of the keys on their servers, and the user holds a key on their device, a different trust model, which increases the optionality Bitcoin users have when trying to decide how to custody and spend their UTXOs. With the rebrand and redesign come some cool new features, including hardware wallet compatibility for users who fall into the Android plus Trezor 1 or Ledger Nano S owner circle in the Venn diagram. Do not fret, though. They are working to make hardware wallet support compatible with iOS and other hardware wallets in the future. On top of this, Blockstream has open sourced its green development kit so people can build on top of green and add unique functionalities for users for unique use cases and added Tor support so users can transact with more privacy. Good shit all around from the Blockstream team. Oh, but Blockstream is so, so criminal. Okay, sorry, Blockstream team, which seems to be pumping out a never-ending stream of dope cypherpunk tools to help Bitcoiners become as sovereign as possible. You have to see it to believe it. Next one down. Bitcoin hash rate now over 4x greater than when BTC price hits its record high of nearly $20,000 in December of 2017. That's the tweet from Badger, which I did report on on Wednesday. So that, yeah, that makes sense. 
Anyway, despite what some people in the mainstream media would have you believe, the fundamentals underlying Bitcoin are better than ever. In fact, the amount of energy that is being expended to mine and secure Bitcoin is now more than quadruple what it was in December 2017 when the price reached 20K. For some reason, there are some crazy kooks out there who are willing to make big investments in hardware and energy to get their hands on some pure virgin Bitcoin UTXOs. I wonder what they will see. I wonder what they see in this asset that's supposed to be the beta max of digital currencies. Final thought. Sometimes you have to say you only live once and rip an exquisite tomahawk steak with a quality Pinot Noir on a Tuesday night. I don't, I don't know what the hell a tomahawk steak is. Shit. I have to go Google. And every time I do that, I end up down some other rabbit hole. Anyway, thank you, Marty. We appreciate that. Uh, you can go sign up for this newsletter, which comes into your uh, mailbox every day. If you go over to at Marty bent and uh, get to his, uh, go to his, his Twitter and you'll be able to, to sign up for the, uh, uh, for the Marty's bit so it can come to your mailbox too. He does it every day. It's really great stuff and I just love it, but that will do it for Marty's bit today. It is torchlight time, but, uh, I think what we're going to do before we get right into the, into this, uh, torch slide is have a little bit of a musical interlude to kind of get us into the mood, you know, break up the monotony of the show.
everybody. There's some uh, old school rush for you, circa 1980s. Yeah, real early 80s. We're not talking about 87. We're talking about like more like 1980, 81, somewhere around there. Um, the reason I chose that is because Torchlight, you know, the last part of that was the shifting shafts of shining line. Just I, I just think of like a torch burning in a cave and the way that the, the light moves around with the uh, volume of the flame as, as it changes given its fuel source. And all of that just makes me think of torch, you know, of the LN trust chain, which where is it? Where is the, you know, where's Waldo bro? Okay. So the uh, LN trust chain remains in Amsterdam for at least one more hop. I have passed it to the Dutch OGs of Bitcoin at Bitonic and at Striker B. They were there from day one. They are awesome. Much love to all of the Lightning Network fans. I have learned a lot thanks to your support. Carbon copy, huddle or not. That was from at GK Boris. Nice, nice. So uh, Amsterdam, sweet. I wonder if the trust trust. Uh, chain is chilling out in some kind of bar smoking a big old blunt or something like that. All right. So our buddy uh, at Phoenix Lone Wolf. Yeah. P-H-O-E-N-I-X-L-O-N-E-W-O-L-F. He uh, says, well worth to ask. Maybe someone will know what the hell I'm talking about, lols. The LN trust chain is coming to a close with only a handful of spots left to hand it off. See above. Now, what he's talking about is just the fact that there are, you know, this thing's got a timer on it, and which is neat because that timer is sort of set by the maximum capacity that you can have as a payment channel. And we are, every time this trust chain or this, uh, the, the lightning torch gets passed, somebody adds a thousand Satoshi. I think it's a thousand. It may be 10,000. I'm not, I, I can't remember. I think it's a thousand Satoshis gets added to the balance. And then, uh, somebody, you know, sends an invoice for the new balance. They get the chain and, and on it goes, but there's a Mac, there's an upper limit to how uh, much you can actually put in these, uh, uh, in these payment channels. And once it hits the maximum, the whole idea is to send the whole thing as a, a lightning invoice payment or in a lightning invoice over to at BTC VEN, which is a, uh, Bitcoin based, um, Oh, what is it? Good God charity, uh, out there in Venezuela. That's using as much every scrap of money they can get, to feed the hun- uh, as many hungry Venezuelans as they can. Uh, so the whole thing is, is uh, for a good cause. It, it does so many different things at once. It demonstrates the uh, courage of people in the community to pass the, this torch, you know, out from a Western country into Iran and then have somebody in Iran pass it to someone in fricking Israel basically thumbing our nose at all the governments of the world saying your borders don't matter anymore. And no, again, I'll, I'll say it again. I'm not talking about that. I want everybody to walk all across the, you know, the face of the planet. You know, if I don't have to leave my country of origin, I don't want to, and neither does anybody else. The only reason that they do want to leave is because they're starving. They're being so repressed that they don't want to stay home. But given the choice, I'll bet you 
I'll bet you most people would rather just travel to somewhere new and then be able to come back home than to rip up yourself and your entire damn family, move somewhere else where you have zero idea of the culture and try to make a go of it. I mean, I know there's some adventurous people out there and they would do that by nature, but I get the feeling that most of the planet's population, you know, I I get the feeling that Venezuelans would rather stay in Venezuela if they could. Okay. If they could. All right. So trust chains and things, this trust chain sends a message to everybody saying we're at that point. Not well, we're okay. We're, we're far away from the point, but we are honing in on this point where these types of things can make it to where you don't have to leave and things can be good. Now that's years away. I'll probably be dead, you know, but we're, we're, we're on the way. Because once the money is put in the hands of the people and not governments like it used to be a long time ago, because, you know, back in the day, oh, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, lots of currencies were private. They were not government currencies, even though Keynesian economists would have you believe otherwise. Uh, anyway, last thing up is from... From the man himself, Hodel Anat, on March 14th, says the LN Trust Chain Torch is with BitBrothers Venezuela, powering their own Bitcoin LN node with a car battery in the midst of the Venezuelan power outage. Next invoice is for 3.94 megasatoshis. Why do I bring that up? Because of the whole damn Francis Coppola and all these idiots that keep thinking that Bitcoin fails when power goes out. Does Visa fail when power goes out? No. Although unlike Visa not being able to run transactions, we can. We can use battery power. We can use open dime. We can use cold card wallet. We can use any number of things. Battery power, generators, solar panels, Man, you got a whole population of you've got a whole community of people that are trying that every time somebody like Frances opens her mouth, you got a whole bunch of people that are like going, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna spend the next week trying to figure out how to make her look stupid. Yet thousands and thousands of people that now have, even if it's the smallest purpose in the world, if it only lasts for only a day or a week figuring out some way to say, here's why you're wrong and prove it using a car battery, using a car battery to power their Bitcoin lightning network node, a car battery. Yeah, that's going to do it for trust chain. Or, I'm sorry. That's going to do it for Torchlight for the day. Daily Train Wrecked is brought to you by Cole Peterson from decryptmedia.com. Tron just can't seem to help itself from paying people to use its blockchain. That's right, people. Dated March the 21st, 2019. Its latest move is to incentivize users to transition away from the widely used stablecoin USDT created by Tether for use on the Bitcoin network and towards Tether's Tron-based version, TRC-based USDT. 
on the Tron network by offering a whopping 20% interest rate. (laughs) In a press release today, Justin Sun, Tron's founder, spoke about his latest ploy. Tron is, quote, offering some amazing early incentives, totaling the equivalent of $20 million U.S. to get existing USDT holders to transition to TRC-based USDT, end quote. Sun added that the USDT Tron will greatly enhance Tron's network's liquidity. But why should we believe what Sun says? His platform has a long history of throwing money around in its quest to onboard more users. This latest ploy comes just shortly after it offered large incentives for Ethereum developers to jump ship and switch teams. It also comes just a couple of weeks after Sun announced his plans to give away $20 million and to reward one lucky person with a brand new Tesla. Why does this sound like mid-level marketing or timeshare conference? I don't know. Whatever. But all these incentives and rewards... Truly the result of Sun's unbridled generosity, and are they worth having in the first place? Earlier this month, Tron announced partnerships with the British Virgin Islands-based Tether in order to introduce USDT to the Tron blockchain. In its partnership they <clears throat> that many see as a match made in heaven, or hell, so that was me, as both platforms have had their fair share of controversy. To encourage users to convert to the new USDT Tron, Tron is providing an alluring 20% interest rate to anyone who converts on the Huboy, I'm sorry, Huobi or OKX exchange between April 30th and the end of May. After that, the interest rate will gradually decrease on a weekly basis through the end of June. The use of such incentive mechanisms has brought Tron significant numbers of users investors, and developers, propelling it to 10th place in the largest cryptocurrencies by market cap. But could the platform have succeeded on its own merits? The blockchain only had one app, TronBet, with any significant volume before it began offering developers massive incentives. Now, according to Dapp Review, Tron's transaction volume is surging. Yeah, marketing works, people. On March 16th, it had more than five times the volume of both Ethereum and EOS. Although that's impressive, the incentives Tron has offered developers through programs like Tron Accelerator may have played a huge role in its growth. We'd go so far as to suggest that it's unclear whether anyone would actually use the blockchain if it weren't for Sun's inventiveness on the incentive front. Compared to competing blockchain platforms like Digibyte, Tron's approach appears grandiose. Digibyte launched with no marketing fund, no massive ICO raising, yet it is simultaneously advancing its platform and growing a large community base via grassroots movement. When platforms like Digibyte seem adept at growing organically, it makes one wonder what is truly driving Tron's success, bots. Could Tron's incessant need to throw money around be a sign of confidence or a dire warning of growing desperation? I don't know. Probably somewhere in the middle, people. Um, On a note about Tron bots, which there are many, I have been playing with Gephi, a graphing utility that has a plug-in that allows me to plug directly into Twitter's API in other words, I have the entire Twitter fire hose. That's every tweet ever made by anybody in the world at any given second of the day. No, I don't do that. I actually filter by, you know, username. 
specifically, I've been tracking my own uh, Twitter history, right? Uh, so I put in my, you know, my Twitter username, and then that's all I that's all I look at. Who did I engage with? How much engagement did I get? You know, is there any patterns? Of, and I haven't really done the analysis yet because I'm just collecting like a, this month's worth of data. But yesterday I decided that, you know what, I'm going to put in one other user's name and guess who I put in. That's right. I put in Justin Suntron and whoa, man, my poor computer just crawled. It was trying to sort that data as it came in. And, and at first I didn't see anything. You know, like like four hours went by, and then Justin tweeted out this one tweet, which was just basically a bunch of hashtags and adding, you know, Tron projects and shit like that, and then some kind of, hey, we're offering this, and my God almighty, the next thing I knew, it was the, the fire hose, and hundreds and hundreds... I mean, when I started parsing, you know, looking at the visual graph, I'm looking at it going, there's hardly any Twitter users in this, in this, like, I think I took data after it started coming in, probably about a good seven hours worth of data and before I cut it off. And it, there was maybe 15 actual users in that, this cloud of tweets, hashtags and addings, um, and the clear patterns started to evolve. And if you guys haven't been, I think his name is Jeff, G-E-O-F-F, Goldberg. Uh, he does a lot of this type of analysis on, um, he was doing a lot of it on XRP. I reported on, on or I read that article uh, to you guys uh, a, a while back. Uh, he does this kind of thing. And the patterning that he was seeing uh, is the same kind of patterning I was seeing. Um, I won't get into, I won't say, you know, stuff like Starburst because a lot of y'all don't care or don't know. But from what I can see, dude, this whole Tron thing is just like an XRP army thing. You know, I mean, it has the exact same visual hallmarks. It has the exact same patterns. It has the exact same type of, you know, tweet history with, you know, a lot of the same constructions involved. Um, I, you know, it's, it's weird anyway. So yeah, Tron is your daily train wrecked. Let's get into the bad joke of the day. As if Tron itself wasn't the biggest joke of the day, we have as usual, bad joke cat. What does bad joke cat have to say? Exercise bikes get you nowhere. I'm not even going to say anything about that. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, duders and dudettes, I'm out. I'm gone. It's uh, Friday. And I hope all of y'all have a really, really kick-ass day. I hope it's filled with like really good, really good vibes. I hope it's filled with like people like telling you how awesome you are and doing that all day long and then taking you out to buy you beer, right? And then have a an excellent weekend on top of that. If it's a, a nice day tomorrow, it sure as shit isn't today, man. It's supposed to rain all day here, which don't get me wrong. I love rain, but you can't go out and do, you know, and do anything in it. I want to take my kids over to a, 
one of the uh, state parks uh, up here in the Panhandle. There's actually several state parks up here. Um, some of them are smaller than others, but uh, there's uh, amazingly, you know, you look at the pan, the uh, northern Panhandle of Texas, and go, uh, but there is a lot of really, really beautiful country. Clearly, it's wide open spaces out here. If you get a chance, you know, come through Amarillo, man. On on like a, you know, if somebody wants to do the old Route sixty six road from uh, Los Angeles to Chicago, it cuts right through Amarillo. And there's a there's really cool stuff up here, man. It's it's a lot of it can be a lot of fun if you know where to go. And if for whatever reason you do find yourself in these parts, this neck of the woods, or grasslands, or plains, or desert or whatever you want to call it, you know, look me up. Uh, my Twitter is at B E N N D seven, seven. That's at B E N D seven, seven. And along with that, all the stuff that I talked about will be on my curated Twitter timeline, which I call the morning roundup. Um, it, a link to that is in every show note, uh, all the show notes to all the shows that I do. So if you want to go back and look further at something that I screwed up on yourself so that you can give me unending hell about it on Twitter, please do go to the show notes and find that link to my, uh, curated Twitter timeline. And with that, I will see all of you on the other side of the weekend. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.